It's Tuesday, December 21st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. About 60 miles north of Los Angeles, Lockheed Martin has a super-secret aircraft and weapons facility called Skunkworks. The U-2 spy plane and the F-117 Nighthawk were both developed there and Lockheed is currently jockeying for a new role in the Air Force's next fighter jet program. Skunkworks has just opened a new state-of-the-art factory and invited journalists to tour it, albeit in a very secretive manner with much of the travel around the campus through underground tunnels. Lee Hudson, defense reporter at Politico, joins us for a peek inside this very secretive facility. Next, the Wall Street Journal set up 31 TikTok accounts registered to teenagers to see what the algorithm would serve them up. What they saw after thousands of videos was a never-ending stream of content related to sex, drugs, and eating disorders. TikTok's algorithm is engagement-based, so spend any amount of time on a video or re-watch it and get ready for a flood of similar content. The company uses 10,000 people and other algorithms to police content, but the app does not restrict certain videos based on age. Georgia Wells, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how TikTok serves up videos to minors. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Their campus in Palmdale is over 539 acres, and I saw a very small sliver of that. They brought a group of reporters to see their new factory. They're calling it the factory of the future. Joining us now is Lee Hudson, defense reporter at Politico. Thanks for joining us, Lee. Hi, thanks for having me. In Palmdale, California, about 60 miles north of Los Angeles, Lockheed Martin has a very secretive facility there where they work on, uh, you know, state-of-the-art planes and and, uh, other weapons and things like that. It's called Skunk Works. It's got an interesting way they got their name and all. But they just opened up this to reporters and and other people to come and tour one of the new facilities that they just built there. Uh, As I mentioned, they do a lot of cool stuff. They worked on uh, the um, secret uh, U-2 spy plane, all this cool stuff that comes out of Lockheed Martin. So, Lee, you got a chance to tour this facility and see what's going on there. They didn't really show you too many secret stuff. All of the stuff that you got to see was unclassified. But tell us about what happened there. Yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. It's huge. Their campus in Palmdale is over 539 acres, and I saw a very small sliver of that. They brought a group of reporters to see their new factory. They're calling it the factory of the future. What they wanted to showcase was that they're using new methods for them to produce aircraft and other types of weapons. Um, But it's very similar to the way that the automotive industry is um, building automobiles, and they've been doing it for a long time. Um, It's just newer for the defense world. So uh, you mentioned in the article, you know, there was two reasons really why they were opening this up to reporters. And, And one was for their new factory, the opening, grand opening of their new factory. But the other thing was to drum up support for more Pentagon business. Uh, obviously, Lockheed Martin is is in that business and they want that funding. So one of the things that they're trying to get into is the next fighter jet program. And that's going to be called the next generation air dominance. What are they vying for trying to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's been mixed messages coming out of the Pentagon. Um, it sounds like the Air Force 
want something that could be um, possibly unmanned for that. Uh, and then the Navy is also working on its own next generation fighter program. Uh, and it sounds like they want a manned platform. But the reason Lockheed Martin is concerned is because with the new Biden administration, they're looking to cut the budget, reduce the budget. Um, and so they were just trying to highlight, hey, these new technologies, it is important to fund them to keep us up to date uh, against potential adversaries like China or Russia. So tell us some of the cool stuff that you got to see there, because you mentioned the article too, how secretive everything is on that campus, obviously. The travel, a lot of it is done in underground tunnels. Sounds very spy-like, but what were they doing and what did they show off to you guys? Yeah, so we started off at the visitor center. It's kind of like just going to the airport. You go through a metal detector and show your ID. Um, And then we went into a conference room for some briefings. And then after that, that's where it got cooler. They took us from the conference room to an underground tunnel. And uh, we walked through it for a little bit, I would say maybe like five or 10 minutes. And we got to another facility on their campus and they showed us them building the X-59, which is a NASA program to build a supersonic aircraft um, that is much quieter than, say, the Concorde. And then the idea is potentially the U.S. could use it for consumer travel because the aircraft would be able to fly over land because you wouldn't hear the supersonic boom sound. You mentioned, too, roughly 85% of the work done there at Skunk Works is classified. So very little that they can actually show you guys uh, in person. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When we went into that um, small corner of the factory to see the X-59, when you turn around, it's all just empty space because they had moved out everything else that they were working on. And you could see this steel wall um, go up and down the sides. I asked one of the comms representatives there what what that was. And she said they jokingly uh, refer to it as the Great Wall. And they use it to divide up different areas of the factory. I love that you also mentioned that the factory had this kind of new car smell just about, you know, it's so new and everything. You mentioned um, them showing off kind of the future of what they can do there. And things had been done in such an old way for so long. Uh, You know, a lot of digital engineering is going in this and being able to digitally transmit information because everything was done manually or on paper before. Right. It's pretty crazy. Um, You would never think somebody building, you know, these high tech aircraft, um, they're actually they're used to using pen and paper. And so it's pretty revolutionary for them to be opening up this new factory where they can use digital files um, and equipment. Uh, The reason they're able to do that is the building is erected in a way that it's protected from radio frequency signals. So that means that potential, you know, adversaries or other country spies, they couldn't um, hack into the system there. And finally, what other things are they working on? You mentioned the supersonic jet, but they're also working on uh, these uh, hypersonic weapons development too, some other things. And I think uh, some other project called Speed Racer, which uh, is a little unclear what's going on there. Speed Racer is something that um, 
the Air Force announced in 2020. And we weren't really sure, we being, you know, the defense journalism community, we weren't really sure what it was because they just showed us a photo and it looked like a cruise missile or UAV, an unmanned aircraft coming out of another aircraft. And so what they revealed to us at Skunk Works was that it's part of a larger program that Skunk Works is working with the Pentagon on digital engineering. And this is one of the first projects that has been since inception that used digital engineering that Skunk Works has worked on. And so they were just showing us, you know, how that changed the way they thought about things and approach different um, aspects of their production work. Um, And then another technology that they're working on are hypersonic weapons, which are really important for the United States right now because uh, China and Russia are also developing their own hypersonic weapons, and the United States is actually behind in that arena. So the Pentagon is pouring tons of money to various defense contractors, including Lockheed Martin, to come up with different um, hypersonic weapons, whether they fall, whether they're shot from the air, from a B-52, or whether they're shot from a surface ship or even a submarine. They're trying different things. Lee Hudson, defense (laughs) reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. There's more than 500 videos about drug use, references to cocaine, meth addiction, and promotional videos for like online sales of drug products and paraphernalia. And like this is that one like rabbit hole very severely on that topic. Joining us now is Georgia Wells, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Georgia. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about a very interesting investigation that you and some colleagues did there at the Wall Street Journal looking into TikTok. Obviously, you know, anybody that spent some time on TikTok knows how addictive it can get. You know, the endless stream of videos, you can go down a rabbit hole and and the algorithm that TikTok uses is so in tune to uh, your likes and desires, really. You know, anytime that you spend on a video, it monitors that and it serves you up a bunch of stuff that's related to it. So, you know, it hooks people pretty quickly. But for your investigation, you guys set up a bunch of bots, a bunch of accounts, more than 100 TikTok accounts to browse the app. And you set up a bunch of profiles that are supposed to be, you know, people under 18, ages 13 and 15. And uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff that was served up to the minors as well. Things uh, related to sex, drugs, uh, violence, a bunch of different stuff. So, uh, Georgia, help us walk through and tell us how the investigation was done, and then we'll get into all sorts of the findings. So this one, it was actually 31 accounts were specifically for the minors. I think the 100 was for when we had started our process about how the algorithm works. But so the process of what happened is we all have been talking a lot about what are the videos that we saw on TikTok. And not surprisingly, talking to friends, talking to the folks on this team, it was sort of funny hearing that like, you know, I get a lot of dogs on TikTok, but like right. one of the people at our project was getting a lot of power washing videos. Apparently that's like a thing. And so we were starting to wonder what does TikTok serve to teens? Like how can we find more information about the experience that teens are having or can have on TikTok? So we set out these 31 minor accounts. And so we kind of assigned them a date of birth and an IP address. 
and also interest. And so this meant that these accounts would have interest that they would express by rewatching videos associated with certain content. So we were like, okay, what do what do teens like? Well, some teens think about drugs, some think about sex, also other topics. So then we let loose these bots on the For You page, and they chugged along and rewatched content related to their interests and skipped content that was not kind of related to these interests that we had pre-programmed. But this was the only way they were expressing these interests. And the finding was pretty stark. TikTok can quickly drive minors among the biggest users of its app into these endless pools of content about sex and drugs. And that's what the uh, findings showed. I mean, uh, you know, you spend a little bit of time on one topic, uh, uh, you know, very familiar terms in the TikTok world, kink talk, you know, people talking about some sexually explicit behavior or things related to that. And then what the app is going to do is serve you up, uh, you know, reams of that same stuff. And that's what you guys noticed. You guys even, you know, shared some of the findings with TikTok and some of those videos in turn got banned or got removed because, you know, it didn't fit guidelines. We noticed like certainly some of the videos were taken down before we approached TikTok about them. And so it's either TikTok's moderators caught them or the creators themselves took it them down. We're not sure which. Then certainly after we approached TikTok with some of the videos, TikTok then removed many of them. And also our understanding is TikTok can also set videos to not necessarily be removed from the platform, but not recommended like to more users. So certainly there was like some action. So for example, one of the bots was registered as a 13-year-old, and TikTok served it. It was more than 500 videos about drug use, references to cocaine, meth addiction, and promotional videos for, like, online sales of drug products and paraphernalia. And, like, this is that one, like, rabbit hole very severely on that topic. But other of the accounts that didn't rabbit hole so hard still were served kind of many of these videos around drugs or also sex content, like you were mentioning. Yeah, and, and that's what, uh, you know, a lot of people have been critical of these type uh, engagement based algorithms you know youtube had a big problem with that as well and just from what i've been reading right tiktok has this super algorithm which just uh, hooks you in a lot faster and you you mentioned the uh, example about the drug so help us walk down how that worked because it started off where the account was uh, watched a video of a girl walking through a forest or whatever supposedly looking for marijuana the next day, it was like a marijuana-themed cake, and then boom, it was just showing tons of like 420 content, and, and that's how those rabbit holes kind of develop. So the first couple days of these accounts, typically, they'd be served with like a broader range of more popular videos, like lots, you know, lots of funny content. But like for example, this drug one, early on, it, it sees this one marijuana-related video, rewatches it, then there's more popular content. Then the next day, another marijuana-related video. This was the cake you mentioned rewatches it and then boom like those were all the signals that needed to rabbit hole then on marijuana and drug kind of related topic like content for the future after that right and as i mentioned earlier you shared some of this content with tiktok what was their response to all of this because one of the things that they said is you obviously set up bots this isn't a real human it's not a real person interacting there. So the experience is going to be different. But uh, there was many accounts where, you know, all of this content uh, that is not for young teens like that, uh, that sh they shouldn't have been served up. So what, what what did they, how did they respond to it? Yeah. Yeah. So your point, like, yes, like TikTok, you know, made very clear that humans have diverse and changing interests and that that's one of the ways that the behavior of humans won't quite match the experience of these bots. Why we did this was that there's not an easy way, like TikTok doesn't have a way for 
like people to be able to see clearly what teams in general see on the platform. Like, it, you know, if parents pair with their specific teams, yes, they can get some insight into it. But for researchers or other people, like there's not a great way to know like what's trending among teenagers. What are teenagers seeing? But TikTok, they mentioned that they're looking into potentially creating a tool that would filter content for younger users. And so that could look almost like a TV rating system so that like for a young user, you might get like, you know, PG related types content for an older user, maybe it would be like PG 13 esque types content. So that's something they're, they're looking into and they, they could, that's a change that we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that they could implement in the future. That could be a helpful tool because there's a lot of content creators themselves that they'll tag their, their content as for adults only or 18 plus or whatever. And, you know, not all of them, right. But some of them say, Hey, I don't even want kids looking at my stuff because I'm not gearing it towards them. But so, 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 so in that sense, that could be a useful tool. Very useful. We spoke to some users who kind of are staples in this kink talk community. And many of them were saying that in their bios on their profile pages, like even there, they list 18 plus. And many of them say for adults only kind of in labels on the videos. Explicitly, they're making a value judgment that this video they're creating, they don't believe is appropriate for children or for minors. And many of them do not want minors viewing their videos. And so that absolutely could be both helpful for them and then also helpful for TikTok, the company, because it's a hard challenge figuring out what's appropriate and what's not appropriate for every single kind of slice of every demographic. Like, I don't want to lose sight of the challenge there, but given some creators are already labeling their videos, that certainly seems like a signal that the company could use to help filter the content. And how does TikTok monitor and police that content? Because this is uh, something that we've gone through with every social media platform from Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everybody, right? They get teams to go through and deem it not good. They'll remove it. The company said in a recent report they removed 89 million videos in the second half of last year because people are posting up so much content. So how does TikTok go about doing it? Yeah, exactly. That is a lot of videos. TikTok has more than 10,000 people who work on this moderation stuff. So it's a combination of algorithms and this force of people. And so the algorithms will identify videos that the company kind of believes are likely to be breaking certain rules. And then the humans come in to be like, yes, indeed, that's kind of violates the sexually explicit content policy or that violates the rule against violence. But interestingly, earlier this year, they rolled out this change where for certain types of content, if the algorithms have a very high degree of confidence that something is breaking the rules, they'll actually take the video down before a human has looked at it. And this was an important change in helping the company be able to take stuff down faster because before it had to wait for a human to like get to it in the queue to look at it. At the same time as they're trying to figure out how to do this moderation at scale, the platform itself has absolutely exploded. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, now there's like at least, you know, a hundred million users, you know, folks who watch TikTok in the U S and certainly a subset of them who are posting in 2019, that was 25 million. Just in the span of a couple of years, it's way more content they're dealing with. Georgia Wells, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright. 
and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.